Hello, everyone, and welcome. This is Let's Sleep On It, Reclaiming Parenthood, the podcast. And I'm your host, Taylor Kulik, a sleep and well-being specialist and occupational therapist. My mission with this podcast is to examine the parenting narratives that dominate our culture and grow together as parents. Here, we will talk about biological infant sleep, as well as many other parenting-related topics. And you'll also hear real empowering journeys from parents who are parenting against the grain. I hope that you walk away from each episode feeling inspired, empowered, and supported. Please remember that none of the information shared in this podcast is medical advice, and you should always speak with a trusted healthcare provider if you have any concerns. Let's dive into today's episode. I want to share with you guys our favorite toothpaste that the entire family uses. It's called Risewell, and Risewell is a fluoride-free toothpaste that has all non-toxic, safe ingredients, so it's even safe if swallowed, which makes it perfect for young children. I love Risewell because... Unlike some of the other natural and non-toxic toothpastes on the market, Risewell contains an ingredient called hydroxyapatite, which is a naturally occurring mineral that actually has been scientifically proven to strengthen and protect our teeth without the use of fluoride. You can save 10% now with the code KULIK10 when you go to risewell.com. And again, that code is KULIK, K-U-L-I-K-10. Hi everyone, welcome. Today I have my dear friend Katie Crosby of Thriving Littles here with me today and we just felt like we needed to have a conversation about some of what is going on in the world and I'll be honest, I'm feeling a little bit nervous. Um, This is a really hard topic to talk about and I feel like I want to talk about it but I also at the same time don't want to talk about it. It comes with risk, right? It comes with, you know, the potential to lose clients and followers and lose our, our social media accounts. So I think for, for me, at least, um, talking on the podcast about this is feeling maybe a little bit like the safer option right now. But, you know, I think we have concerns. I am talking for myself. But I know, you know, Katie, you and I have talked a little bit about this, too. We both have concerns about some of what is going on in the world right now with the control and the, you know, getting some of our rights taken away, our bodily autonomy taken away, some of the vaccine mandates that are happening right now or discussion about those things happening. And so thank you, Katie, for joining me and talking about this. I feel like I couldn't talk about a lot of this myself. And I think you, when you talk about some of these topics, you bring a lot of clarity. And I think you have a really eloquent way of um, framing these ideas and these concepts and talking about things in a way that makes sense. So thank you for joining me today. Glad to be here. It's such a timely thing. And I know it goes back quite a ways now, not just the past mm-hmm. year and a half, but beyond that. And as I get more clear and regulate myself around it, I'm more open to sharing and talking and, and making sense of things, which can be so regulating when we understand and it feels more clear. So yeah, so glad to be here, Taylor. Yeah. And, you know, I, just to, just to say, we also really don't have notes for this conversation. We don't really have a direction that we're going. We just wanted to kind of have this like organic conversation. So it's likely going to be really raw and we might, you know, go off on tangents. Um, But I have been really encouraged in the past few days because I have seen more and more people that I respect on Instagram speaking out about this in whatever way that feels good to them. And I think it's so important to use our voices, even if it doesn't change anything, um, not only not only to, to speak out about it, but also because there are so many people out there. And I, I get these messages every time I talk about it. There are so many people that agree with us and that know that what's going on right now does not feel right to them. It does not feel okay, but they don't know how to speak out. They're scared to speak out. They might lose their job. They might lose their fam- family and friends. And you know, I just think it's so encouraging to see other people talking about it because it also gives us all strength to continue to talk about it. I've noticed that too. And it's fascinating because I see the headlines in the news and, you know, log on to Facebook or log on to social media and you see these headlines or warnings and, and a lot of the comments, like a lot of people are feeling the same way or having has, you know, not even hesitation. They've looked at 
looked into things and they know they trust themselves. And I think the more people that speak up about it, the more we break through that really unsafe feeling of not being able to talk or ask questions or share, because right now it's like this environment of we were talking before, like this authoritarian power control. And it's, I compare it to family systems, like an authoritarian is where the family or the parents have, like, it's like my way or the highway. And you don't really ask questions. You don't share concerns. You just go with it. You just do what they say. And there isn't a lot of clarity about why. Mm -hmm. And Right now we have some reasons why, of course, but there isn't a lot of clarity about discussing all sides of something. So when I think about family systems and the dysfunction that perpetuates is because there isn't this space to collaborate and share and to have people voice their opinion and ask questions and, oh yeah, I thought about that too, or that makes sense that you think that, or that makes sense that you feel that way, or you know, here's what I think, this reciprocal conversation about every side of the topic versus if somebody says something you're shut down or shamed or punished or mm -hmm. oh you're a bad kid if you do that you know xyz and you're bad and you're awful and go sit over there you know so it's right. like i think a lot of people feel that way now in this yeah. climate of if i if i say the wrong thing or if i do the wrong thing or if i step out of bounds in some way then i will lose my family, which that abandonment or rejection or isolation, whether it's from truly your family or friends, workplace, wherever the world at large, it's hugely threatening to the nervous system. So I see, I see such a evolution, like you're saying, of people talking about it and sharing about it and kind of breaking through rewiring that no, it is, it is safe and okay to talk about this stuff. Although, you know, there definitely can be repercussions. So it's tricky. Right. It's, it's still not a totally safe environment by any means, but seeing a shift too. Yeah. And I, I hope it continues to shift. I mean, and I think that that's mo that's a big part of the problem is that there isn't this safety to ask questions, like you've said, and to talk about this. And, and I think that, you know, if it's not already a red flag to you, I hope that it would be a red flag to you. Um, because we're here, you know, I don't even think we need to share our opinions about the vaccine or our medical decisions because that's really not what this conversation is about. You know, I know people that have received the vaccine. I know people that haven't received the vaccine. I respect all of their decisions to do so. They all have good, legitimate reasons for making the decisions they made. But unfortunately, only one side is allowed to be talked about right now. Only one side is validated by the mainstream media by health authorities. And when we really back up and look at the big picture, we're not seeing the big picture. We're not seeing the entire picture. There are, mm -hmm. there are doctors on, you know, quote unquote, the other side being censored, um, being deleted from social media, good reputable doctors who have knowledge, who have conducted research, who have genuine, authentic concerns and they're being silenced. And so, you know, I think a lot of people that maybe don't know what we're talking about right now, don't understand our concerns. They maybe haven't, how do I want to word this? They don't see that that is going on on the other side. They don't mm -hmm. see that they're only getting access for the most part to one side of the story and how the, you know, whether, whether you agree with us or not right now, we have to acknowledge how the media and everything, everything that we're getting access to, it really does shape our perception. It doesn't necessarily mean that what we're perceiving is factual or accurate, but it's mm -hmm. shaping our perception in one way or the other. And right now I'm seeing this really dangerous trend and I've been seeing it for a while. It's not new towards kind of othering people that make different health decisions, um, dehumanizing people. Right now it's the enemy is the unvaccinated. You know, we were talking the other day, like that's actually, it's like a class now. The unvaccinated is like a class of people. Um, and that's really scary language that I'm seeing, like talking about this big group of people as irresponsible and dangerous. And, you know, we're really dehumanizing and we're making it a, an issue of morality. Um, and it's not an issue of morality. Most people, I really do believe that most people are trying to figure out the best thing to do both for themselves, but also for other people. And we're just coming to different conclusions on what that best decision is. 
um, based on a lot of factors and a lot of different information. And so, I don't know, I just think that's, that's a big piece of the conversation that's missing. It's, it's so true. It goes back to, I think, when we don't have the full information. So if, you know, going back to family system thing where it compares mm-hmm. always to a big dysfunctional family, and I'm kind of organizing my thoughts as I think about this, because when, for example, kids don't have information, they don't need all information by, by any means. You know, we don't need to go into the details or the non-kid friendly stuff. And it's the same way. Like we don't need to know every little detail, but we do need to know enough and explore the different sides and have, uh, you know, it's interesting. Why didn't we ever see a panel of doctors on TV discussing their varying opinions because Mm -hmm. everybody works in groups and we want the different voices to be heard. And that's how we make the decisions that are best for us. And when we don't have access to that information, there's holes. And then we make up stories or a perception you know, like the labels, the unvaccinated, the labeling and that comes with when people think of a label, then they fill their, their mind with images and sensations that come up around what that term means. So it's a judgmental term and judgment triggers emotion. So judgment triggers stress. Judgment is assumes judgment isn't curious. So if somebody says you're unvaccinated, there's no curiosity. There's no compassion for oh, you know, you have this illness, which it's contraindicated to get a, get a vaccine or this treatment, or there is no compassion for the decisions that those people are making that feel safe for them. So mm-hmm. it's like people are forming their perception and filling in holes and jumping to conclusions and saying that, you know, if you're unvaccinated, you're, then that means all these images, you're unself, you know, you're selfish, you're not compassionate, you're making these decisions out of uh, being self-centered and, and fearful or, or you, you know, you don't know you're hesitant in some way. So it's really fascinating to see how you know, people are trying to make it so black and white. And it's, mm-hmm. it's like saying that everybody who isn't getting a shot has the same opinion, which is really bogus. You know, totally. it's really, really, uh, limited. It limits our connection. It limits our relationships and it causes a lot of stress for everybody involved. Yeah. And it, it limits our perspective too, about what is going on. Um, there are, you know, and I, I feel like, is it, why do we, why do we tend to gravitate towards this black and white binary thinking? Is it, you know, I feel like maybe it's because it, it helps us make sense of the world around us and keeps us safe, but why do you, do you have any insight about that? Why do we tend to gravitate towards that? Yeah. So the more stressed that we are, and this is really a nervous system level. So the more that we feel the sense of unsafety in some way, so the more that we feel this sense of unsafety in the world, the more that we jump to conclusions or form judgments, form stressors in some way. So when we feel foundationally insecure, we tend to categorize and label because it does, it helps you feel the sense of pseudo safety. Mm -hmm. So when we feel this insecurity, we want things to make sense. We want things to fit cleanly into a box, which isn't the way the world works, but this is what happens in early development. So kids grow up and there is a black and white thinking that naturally happens in early development. So kids learn, oh, this is a plant. And then for a short time, probably a very short time for most kids, they begin to expand that image of a plant to match, oh, this is a plant too. Oh, this is a plant. This, this bush is a plant. This tree is a plant. Like, wow, all these things are plants. So when we resort back to that level, we tend to categorize and label and and judge. And instead of getting curious or compassionate or thinking, oh, maybe that could be a plant too, you know, or like, oh, this is a different kind of plant. We're set and like, no, this is a plant and I know what a plant is. And any other plants are a threat to my image Mm -hmm. of what a plant is. Like, this is a threat to my understanding of the world. This is a, this is rocking my world. So I, I'm not open to this information. And what I find is that we have, we don't have the emotional tools to communicate with one another because we're not recognizing stress responses. So if somebody feels threatened and they attack, 
somebody, you know, I had so many messages after sharing about this stuff. I had so many messages, like, thank you so much for sharing. You did get a couple that were not so welcoming, right? So of course, that were more attacking or not even attacking, that's even a judgment, but I could tell there is some charge. There's a fight response of some way happening where something about it was threatening. And it doesn't mean that, you know, that they're wrong or I'm wrong. It's just that they were activated by what I was saying and then their name calling or, you know, shutting down the conversation. So we often don't have the emotional tools in our society, especially on social media. There's, there's not the space to hold space for one another, get curious or like, wow, that's how it came off, came off that way. Like that wasn't my intention or there isn't this natural flow. So in order to break through that black and white thinking, we have to have a relationship because that's like you said, that's how we expand that limited perspective. We all have limited perspectives. We see the world through our own lens, which is hugely limited. So unless we have relationship or connection or non-judgment, non-judgment. So instead of saying, oh, this person's terrible, they're calling me a name. I can recognize that it probably was threatening in some way to them. I don't know what their story is. I don't know what they've lost this past year and a half. I don't know what's going on. So I can look at it non-judgmentally, but also recognize that it's really limited what we can do on social media. Yeah, that's a really good point. And I'll be honest. I mean, I, I think right now it's a, it's a huge struggle for anybody saying anything outside of what, you know, is, is the established narrative, the mainstream views, um, because my nervous system often feels activated. I post something and I'm like, oh my gosh, I shouldn't post this. Like what's going to happen? Am I mentally prepared for the responses that I may get? Um, and then somebody might message me and I'm instantly activated because I'm feeling like I'm, I'm not safe to share my thoughts. And I feel like the thoughts that I've been sharing are, are pretty neutral thoughts as well. Um, mm -hmm but I, I don't feel safe to share my thoughts. And so there's this other side, like on, on both sides. And I hate to use that because I don't think there's just two sides. I think there's like a lot of perspectives that don't just encompass two binary sides, but um, just for simplicity's sake, on both sides, we have people feeling activated. And I think it kind of maybe goes back to that, that analogy that you're using about authoritarian um, parenting and what what some people are trying to do is exert control over other people and shut down conversations and say, you can't have this discussion. You're dangerous. If you're having this discussion, you're, you're killing people, you're, you know, blah, blah, blah. It goes on and on. Um, and I just, that's not productive. We just, how do we move past that? I, you know, and part of that is because we've, that's what we've been bombarded with on the news and even from our leaders, you know, we're in the, we're in the States and we're not going to get political here, but the fact is, is that the president of our country has come out and said that unvaccinated Americans are a threat to everybody. So it's hard not to get kind of political when we're talking about this, because that's just, and it's not necessarily accurate information. I mean, when we're really looking at as much science and information and listening to as many perspectives of those in the medical, medical community and the scientific community as we can, we would be able to see that there are so many differing perspectives about this. There are a wide range of concerns about the vaccines. There is nothing concrete. There is really no like information that is really concrete right now. Like this is a pretty new vaccine still. We're still really learning how it's impacting people. Um, and so all of the contradictions, even from health authorities, of course, we're going to want to question. Of course, we need to question. There is such contradictory information. And when we're trying to take away people's freedom over their own body and over their own medical decisions, we need to be questioning these things. And I think it's, it's not, it's far more dangerous to just not talk about it and to just say, you need to do this. I'm going to control you. You need to submit and do what the authorities are telling you, even if it feels wrong to you, even if you know that it could cause significant health issues in you. Mm -hmm. <laughs> it goes back to just speaking about politics and I've never been into politics. You know, growing up, we just, my family wasn't, nobody talked about it. I heard sometimes like politics is for rich people. <laughs> and I just, I didn't have awareness of it. And I feel like the last couple of years, it's been really eye-opening. And in my adulthood, I have gotten more, you know, aware, hopefully, mm -hmm. but 
I think, you know, often I'll share with, with parents and families that we don't necessarily want to share our views as like, okay, this is my view. This is the right way. And these people are doing it wrong. Like when we have a leadership is about exploring different options and putting everything out there and helping people decide what's best for their community and Mm -hmm. for them. And, and going back to the nervous system safety, like for me, it's about, and again, I don't think my decisions or, or anyone in my life decisions, like it's, for me, it's about what is going to feel the safest for that person, because what I believe is that is best for the community. We want people to feel core foundational safety, because when we don't have that, it comes out in all these different other ways. And it comes out in behavior like um, condescending, self-righteous, criticism, attack, blame, like all of these other ways that when we don't feel core safety in some way, it, which body autonomy is such a huge element of that. We can't outsource. And this is something I hear recently. It's one argument is that, well, this is community care. Everybody needs to do this in order for the community to be okay. And I think that becomes problematic when everybody has a different nervous system. Everyone's nervous system is as unique as a fingerprint. We can't outsource our safety. We can't outsource and say, you need to do that. So I feel safe. That's not how it works. Mm -hmm. So some nervous systems don't do well with this type of intervention. And that's a fact that's, that's, you can't argue with that. That's that person's nervous system. It's entirely different from yours. It's entirely different from mine. It's, we can't outsource our own level of well-being from that very core body level. So in Maslow's hierarchy of needs, that health is at the bottom. I think this is why everyone's so stressed with this, myself included at times over the last year and a half, because when our health is threatened, it threatens that core survival in us. So I think the problem with the, the, um, you know, the idea that this is best for the community is who's, who can really say that, you know, we're all doing the best we can. Nobody really knows what the right thing to do is for some people, they feel very safe taking this intervention, taking a shot. And that's awesome. You know, if that's what we need to feel safe and healthy and secure, but there's so many pieces of the conversation that are left out. So if somebody's spent their whole life working on their natural immunity or, you know, recovering from autoimmune stuff and, and doesn't want to rock the boat. And then they feel safe doing the things that they're doing and living their life in a way that they feel is most protective for others, most protective for them. Then we can't argue with that. In my opinion, Mm -hmm. we can't, we can't argue with their sense of core safety and what works for them. And it's, it's not about individualism. It's about thinking that everybody has a different idea of what community care is. Exactly. Right. I don't know what your thoughts are on that, but like the community. Yeah. Yeah, Because there's, I totally agree with you because there's this idea that if, well, you're just selfish, if you don't get this vaccine, you don't care about the community, it's for the greater good, um, which I have to say that, you know, for the greater good, that, that phrase has been used throughout history to harm other people. Um, It's a manipulative phrase, but but yes, there's, it's not that simple. It's not so simple as, and I saw, I can't remember who said this, but somebody that I follow on Instagram was saying, you know, if anything, and this was a vaccinated person, but um, I, he was just wanting to have a conversation about vaccines and why people choose not to get it and that it's valid to choose not to get it too. And he said, please, whatever you do, don't make the choice or don't make, um, don't make the argument that vaccine equals good, unvaccinated equals bad, or you're a good person for getting the vaccine and you're a bad person for getting that, for not getting the vaccine, because that's really is so, it makes it so simple. And it's not what this is about. Um, you know, like you said, and I think this goes back to this idea that everybody needs to subscribe to the same worldview and the same health paradigm. And there are people around the world that, do not utilize a lot of Western medicine and they are very healthy and they have ancient traditions of medicine, like not, you know, different kinds of medicine, more natural holistic Mm. medicines using, using plants and, um, food for healing. And to say that those things are just wrong and supporting the immune system in the way that they believe is, is right. And not just believe, I mean, 
there's anecdotal evidence. There's there, you know, science, empirical evidence is not the only source of knowledge. Sorry, I feel like I'm going like 5,000 places here because I have so much to say about this, but there are so many perspectives of how to attain health, how mm -hmm. to stay healthy, how to protect those around you. Um, and we are only getting access to a tiny portion of that information. And I will say that that portion of that information financially benefits huge companies. So you, we have to consider that, mm -hmm. um, you know, health through food, health through herbs, those things are not money makers. And that's just another part of this conversation that we don't have to get too much into here, but we need to consider it. Um, I totally lost my train of thought, but I agree with you about, oh, about I, that. And, oh, that's what I was going to say. Cause you had mentioned, um, what did you say? You said, um, talking about community health, doing it for the community. There's also, I mean, just even with the health authorities, with our health authorities have come out and, and said, you know, said that this vaccine seems to not be as effective against this new variant. Um, I think it was Fauci who even said, and maybe the head of the CDC as well has said that if you are vaccinated, you are still able to pass on this new variant to other people around you. You have as much of it in your nasal passages as those who are unvaccinated. So I, I, I have to wonder, and again, I'm not saying it is the right choice or the wrong choice to get the vaccine. That's not what we're talking about here. Mm -hmm. um, but I, always, I do wonder, you know, with that new information, why does that not change people's perspectives of vaccine mandates? Why does that not change people's perspectives of doing it for the community? It's just not that simple. And we should be able to have agency over our bodies and how we live a healthy life. Um, I know many people that choose not to get the vaccine are choosing not to get the vaccine and they are, they are doing so much work to support their health and live a healthy lifestyle and protect themselves. It's not an easy thing. It's not like, it's not like they're just neglecting their health in all areas and then just expecting like people around them to protect them. Like that is not the perspective that mo many of these people hold. Um, and so if you think that I would just, you know, I would just encourage you to like actually go have an open conversation judgment-free with somebody who has chosen not to get the vaccine because it is it is usually a very informed decision and it just might mm -hmm. differ from your informed decision you know and somehow along the way this came intertwined with race and mm. and i think this bringing up different cultures or different perspectives of people that don't you know their belief system doesn't align with western medicine mm -hmm. and and somewhere along the way uh, you know, there's a conversation that if we focus on treatment, then people that don't have access lose. So treatment being the vaccine versus prevention, uh, which is the conversation of, you know, other things that we can do. Uh, oh, no, excuse me. So if we focus on treatment, I hope I said that right, might have mixed it up. But if we focus on treatment, that's when people can't have access, they can't go get treatment. So it, you know, people end up dying because they can't get the treatment. So there's an argument that it ends up impacting low income or the different populations of people. And, and that if you don't get it, you're impacting or harming these other people. And if we don't focus on the, the uh, vaccine as prevention, then we're harming these populations of people. And I don't know, you know, exactly you know, the numbers or statistics on everything. But what I do know is that when we focus on those labels, like prevention or treatment, there's this idea that this is the only prevention, right? Mm -hmm. So this is the only agency that we have to care for communities and help people is through this way of being. And like you're saying, the natural immunity was totally censored online because in order for the vaccine to come out and the emergency, whatever it was called, the emergency order to release the mm -hmm. vaccine with, before FDA approval, in order to have that, they needed to not have any alternative available, accessible, effective uh, treatment options right. or prevention options. And uh, they're, they're out there and they were hidden from online. And that's where I had a huge red flag or that sense of unsafety of 
wow, these are people that really, really know their stuff and walk the walk and are sharing it openly with people and all these different things that they've discovered about health and wellness and really restoring agency around that versus saying, oh no, you need this Western medicine or even, or even you need a doctor, you know, and I love doctors. There are a lot of amazing, wonderful doctors out there. This isn't a hit on them, but it's saying that, no, you need something outside yourself. You need to outsource this in order to be healthy or safe. And again, it goes back to that. You can't outsource safety. Yes, we are all connected. We all influence, influence each other. And we definitely need support from our community at times for our health. But to say that in order to be okay at all, we need this external thing. And that's the only way that we can prevent. That's where it's so problematic because that triggers a lot of stress and a lot of uh, exhaustion for people that feel insecure about getting it or don't want to because of past experiences or because of experiences like that. And then not only is there not space or alternatives discussed, they're getting shut down, they're getting isolated, they're getting mm -hmm. shamed, there's no space and no support. And exactly the people that say that they're, you know, doing the best for the community are also the people that are quick to attack and shame and label. And, and I think that it comes with this idea of also recognizing this shadow side of life that if we can't, if we feel like we're trying to be this good person all the time, and this is what good people do. And this is what, you know, this is best for the, like you said, public good. This is for the greater good. You talk to anybody from a country that has experienced that phrase and what the impact has been. And again, it's like, even saying this, I know there's people that would think that's a conspiracy theory or here I am talking about this other, like that would never happen here. We're so far, this is no comparison, but it happens in these gradual little shifts. It happens when people don't see the judgment and we get so deep in it and being a good person and doing the right thing that we miss that it's harming people and we have our time owning that. So yeah, there's so many ways I feel like I could go with this too, because it's really, really layered. And when you bring up this topic, people, you know, we all have 10 other topics that come up related to it that we're associating with it. So it's, it makes sense that it's all over the place because it's that core foundational need that's related to it. Right. Deep. Yeah. And, you know, you, you brought up talking to other people who have experienced this phrase for the greater good and, the, and then the harm that's come from it and the conspiracy, like the people that think this is a conspiracy that this could happen here. And I think, you know, it, it's not a conspiracy. Basically anything is a conspiracy theory if it is not like in line, in alignment with what the news is saying, the mainstream news. And um, I don't subscribe to that, that belief. Um, but, you know, I, I've talked about this to so many people. I'm seeing such concerning things that we already kind of mentioned with the dehumanization um, of people that haven't gotten the vaccine, of the unvaccinated, this new class, okay? And it's almost like, it almost feels like war is being waged on people that haven't gotten the vaccine. Um, there is hate being spewed. People are being made to hate each other. And it's not like, when I think back to, I wonder, during, and I'm not necessarily comparing these two, but I think, and I, I shouldn't have to use that, make that disclaimer, but I feel like I do. Um, when you think back about horrible things that have happened in history where people have been harmed, like the Holocaust or anything else like that, where people have been divided and a group of people have been harmed, how did that happen? How did people let that happen? Um, and it, wasn't it it wasn't that there was this clearly wrong thing going on that everybody knew was wrong and it just somehow happened these people just took power took over and did it it wasn't like that it was slow over time pitting people against each other using dehumanizing language othering people to get people to feel like they were doing the right thing these people are dirty and bad and evil and they're doing the right thing Mm -hmm. by separating them from the rest of the society. And that just makes it easier and easier and easier to, to eventually do the harm. And when people, that people don't see how history is repeating itself right now, I'm not even saying that that is going to happen, but I'm seeing really concerning patterns repeating themselves. Um, you know, even like 
the vaccinated here, unvaccinated here signs, but the segregation. So now we're having medical segregation. Um, I've seen horrible comments from, which I shouldn't read comment sections, but I do. I've seen horrible comments from people that are just applauding these vaccine mandates. And I don't think most people feel that way, but the I think there are people that are very loud that are applauding these mandates, applauding, um, you know, people saying, well, if you're not vaccinated, you shouldn't have medical treatment and they should just die of COVID. And like the most awful things that people are now saying. And how did we get here? I mean, if, if we had thought that, I, I would have never thought this would be where we're at if you had asked me like two years ago before all of this happened. I would have been shocked. And it happens so quickly. Um, I've, I've had separation and division within my own family. Um, I know many people that have, I mean, we're, we're pitting brother against brother, you know, it's, it's really scary. And if this trend continues, I'm just really concerned about what could happen. Yeah. I was going to say something else and I lost my train of thought. I think that's, that's good for that, that, that topic, but. Yeah, I got goosebumps listening because the dehumanization of, and I'm really not convinced there's a right or wrong way. I truly am not probably listening and, and thinking, you know, I think I know the right way, but I really don't. I don't know if it's that it's my faith or what, but, but I think the point of all this is exactly that is, do we walk through this and dehumanize other people? Do we walk through this and divide and contribute to that? and say, yeah, keep them out, keep them out, good. Or do we say, you know, do we evolve and look deeper and see the people as humans? Because I really truly believe that most people in this, everyone that I've talked to, I haven't heard anybody that says, I'm, you know, I'm not going to get vaccinated and I don't care about other people. I haven't heard anybody right. that said that, like not one individual. I haven't heard, and it doesn't mean it's not out there. I'm sure there, you know, there's people that say all kinds of things, but I, I don't believe that people are doing this out of maliciousness or, uh, you know, poor intents or not caring about others. I don't see any of that. What I think it is, is people haven't looked at the ways that they do that themselves. We don't look at the sides of ourselves that, are like, there's, you know, definitely times we are all critical and quick to dehumanize others or assume or, or uh, quick to judge, quick mm -hmm. to come to conclusions that aren't helpful. We all do that. It's a human thing to do. And when we say, no, I don't do that. They do that. That's the problem. It's like this, like you said, the othering. No, I don't do that. That's their problem. They're the bad guys. They're the ones that don't like other people or don't care about other people. I can't believe they're doing that. Like it's the othering of you haven't come to terms with recognizing your own, I call this shadow work. Or I think, I don't know who called it shadow work originally, but it's out there. The shadow work of there have been times where I have not done the most selfless thing. You know, I'm a human and I can recognize that and own that. And, and when we don't, when we like to pretend we don't have that and we're not just a human we're not superior to others we're not inferior to others we're just we just are mm -hmm. I think people like to other and dehumanize so dehumanizing for me looks like so uh there's you know this doctor talking all this YouTube video about different treatment options for COVID and how they weren't sharing that and a lot of people died because they weren't sharing treatment options. And there are many out there. And he goes through them in detail. And somebody had sent me a note about from a Wikipedia page saying, well, here's the organization that that doctor was working under. And look at the Wikipedia page. So I go to the Wikipedia page. And it was saying how you know this was a conservative organization that was anti-vaccination or anti, you know, certain other things. And it's so quick to discredit everything that this person said. He never said he was anti-vax. He was purely talking about looking at the treatment options, saving thousands of lives. He was working with doctors around the world to see what they were doing and explore. And mm -hmm. his research and studies were pulled 
and not published. So he was noticing that all this was being hidden. And then, you know, it's like when we're so quick to say, well, that's anti-vax or well, that, you know, that person's just a sheep. It's conspiracy theorist or, or whatever it is, we don't get to the root of it. So I don't know what that person, again, what their year was like, what their past was like, where they're coming from, what their ideas of community and wellness are. And I can try to see, see the human under that, see that this is a behavior when you're directing me to the Wikipedia's page and saying, do what they say, don't trust that doctor. Look at what the Wikipedia says about them. So, and I've seen so many examples or pages like that on Wikipedia, which is a shame. Uh, but when we label others as these things, we miss the entire pool of compassion that's within each of us and around us. And we you know, take a deep dive into this I don't know, ocean on the side. That's a dark hole that takes us nowhere. You know, it's just defeating. Yeah. So Totally. And I always look to like, you know, people that are so quick to dismiss other sources of information. I'm not saying every source of information is valid and factual. Um, but to think that every piece of information that the government and the mainstream media is handing to us as, as total truth and they're being totally transparent. I mean, that's just not, that's just not it either. Um, but when we dismiss every other source of information and these, these scientists and these doctors who are saying other things and expressing concerns, I always wonder, what do they, what does that doctor over there really have to gain right now? Um, I'm not saying they have absolutely nothing to gain. There are some doctors that are selling books or selling, you know, supplements or whatever. Um, but what do they really have to gain? Because from what I've seen, if you speak out against this, against what is happening right now, even just saying people should have informed consent and I don't believe in vaccine mandates, you are at risk for getting your, if you have a social media platform, you're at risk for getting that pulled. You are at risk for censorship. Um, I know that doctors who are practicing are at risk to be fired from their jobs, to get their licenses revoked. Um, they are getting death threats. They don't really, in the grand scheme of things, no, and I, I can say this, I think, because I have spoken out a little bit about it. So I'm, I'm not a doctor or a scientist and I don't have like this huge, massive platform, um, but I feel that I know what the danger is. It does not benefit me. It does not benefit you to be on this conversation right now, talking about this and putting this out into the world. When we talk about, th that, about this on Instagram, it literally doesn't benefit us at all. I lose mm -hmm. followers every time I get a couple of nasty messages that make me feel really activated and don't support my mental health every time. Um, nobody is benefiting financially by speaking out about this. People have valid concerns and want people to be able to make informed decisions, want to be able to talk through all of the information and all of the perspectives um, and want people to have freedom. And so I think that's just important. Like if you haven't considered that, please consider it because on the other side, we have these huge companies, pharmaceutical companies. And again, I'm not saying that they're like bad or they're wrong or they're not giving us accurate information, but I would say they're not giving us all accurate information and they're definitely not giving us all of the information. Um, but these people have a lot to lose and a lot to gain. And they are pretty much, they have a lot of power as well. They have a lot of power to control what information that we have access to. And so when you take a step back and see that and see those two discrepancies on the on the one hand, you have a lot of people being censored and silenced and getting their licenses taken away and people are losing their jobs for declining the vaccine like people aren't just losing their jobs for no reason, just because they don't like the community and want to, you know, want to hurt people. They're not just fighting for their jobs and their freedoms for no reason. Um, they're not speaking out and risking their career for no reason. And on the other hand, we have a lot of financial entanglements within the government agencies and the these authoritative health agencies. So I think that's just a really important piece of this to consider. Absolutely. The point about you know going back to the informed consent or this conversation isn't really about you know pro or anti anything. Right. It's 
how do we help people get the information in an accessible way that they, you know, everyone can understand and make decisions around and that just isn't happening. And somewhere along the way, you know, this got, like I said earlier, kind of all caught up with, you know, the huge, huge racial issues that were coming up, you know, along the way and it got intertwined. And my friend Jenny Taylor in San Diego is a journalist and really brought up the point of, we are all wanting the same thing. Like these are core human rights that we are all wanting. And somewhere along the way it got pitted. Well, if you're, if you're pro medical freedom, you're anti, you know, certain populations, which I don't like to say certain populations because it's, that's not true, but you're anti this, if you're pro this, you're anti this. And, you know, thinking how much that is driven by these companies and these bigger corporations or organizations or government, whatever it is that are guiding these conversations. And like you said, these politicians that are sharing. So instead of trusting our communities or getting close to their community or asking questions, we trust these people outside of us that, you know, do they have our best interest at heart? I don't know. You know, it's like, would I recommend somebody get a vaccine? I don't know them. I don't know their experience. I don't know their health history. I don't know their, their beliefs. I don't know what matters to them. I don't know their Mm -hmm. cultural practices. I don't know them. So how could a leader just recommend something for everyone? You know, it it is, I think, yes, they could believe that's true and they could believe that's most effective, but it does feel like there's so much pushing that way and so much, you know, there's no liability for anything that happens or there's no accountability or no other conversation or no, oh, I see why you wouldn't want to do that. That makes so much sense for you. There's no validating, uh, you know, no looking at difference at all. So. Right. You're just coerced and bribed. And at some point, you know, you're going to lose your job. If you don't get this, you're not going to go into public businesses. Like it's just, it's not the way. And I know, I know you have to go soon. Um, we could probably have 10 more episodes about this. I keep thinking of, oh, we need to talk about racism and how this is like actually not positive for like anti-racism. Um, this mm-hmm. is affecting like the black community, but that would be like a whole nother podcast episode. But, and I think we didn't really touch on this a whole lot. We touched on it a little bit, but like to kind of close out the conversation, you know, we, what we do on our Instagrams with our businesses are, we very much promote respectful parenting. We promote collaborative parenting, um, whether, you know, I focus more on sleep and and parenting too, but mostly on sleep, you focus on like parenting in general and like emotions and and things like that. Um, what What are we teaching our kids right now? So most of the community listening is probably kind of on the same page as us with like wanting to learn more about respectful parenting and working with our kids and not being like authoritarian. But what are we doing when we're allowing and we're, and oftentimes many of us are praising and celebrating an authoritarian government who is using coercion and um, bullying and shaming tactics on adults who are perfectly capable of making their own informed decisions when they have access to all of the information, which they don't, we don't. Um, what is that? I don't know. I just see the parallels so much between what is going on in the government. Like, is it possible? Can we just reflect on the possibility that we are in an abusive relationship with our government? I mean, is that mm-hmm. totally a wild idea? Because I don't think it is. I've seen so many, I think when I really started to get passionate about talking about this was so many of the kids that I know and work with. So I started as a pediatric OT and now I work more with whole families and with caregivers or parent and parents and uh, every part of the child's life. But seeing how it was impacting kids, especially parents or caregivers that have more black and white views and how the isolation impacts how there's so much of the health conversation that we aren't talking about. I heard, you know, antidepressants is up like 6,000%. What happens when parents are depressed? Everything suffers. Mm -hmm. I think there's so many layers of what are kids learning about this? I think they're internalizing a lot of fear for people that have not regulated through 
fear in some way. And I don't even know if that's fully possible because our environment is such an impactor when it comes to our emotional skills. So when we have this unsafe environment, it impacts kids. So they, beyond just what people are talking about, they feel it in their bodies. And, and when we can talk about it and name it and say, you know, here's a simple idea of why and understand it makes things so much more regulated. And, uh, yeah, I think it's so important to talk with kids about, you know, in a simple way, not share or dump all of our adult issues, but, you know, just a lot of people have different ideas right now and people are stressed and people are, uh, you know, tired and here's what we can do today. Restoring agency. Here is what we can do today. Here is what our family is doing today. Here is what, uh, you know, matters to us these are our values and here's how we're practicing them you know helping to to show that this is uncomfortable and this is exhausting or whatever it is feels accurate like naming the tension this is tense this feels intense right now and it will we'll get through it it'll be okay and for today one day at a time we are going to the playground next and gonna eat dinner and like bringing back to those present rhythms and communities that feel so supportive and focusing on that much different focus. I love that. And, you know, I, we really try to like not live our lives in fear and we don't want our children to live our lives, their lives in fear. And, but, you know, there is a lot of stress, even for us, like this is a stressful time. And so it's, it's kind of like this daily battle, at least for myself to like, try not to let my children see that. Not that it's not okay to let them see us stressed, but when it's like this constant state of like stress and worry and anxiety, it's, that's not what I want my kids around. I don't, I can, I can tell that I'm like the energy is just different, um, significantly different when I am feeling really stressed. And so it's focusing on the day-to-day tasks, focusing on the, the activities and the, the chores and, and just like the normal day-to-day stuff and um, bringing clarity around our own personal family values. Like you said, I think that's so important while also still, you know, I do have these conversations with my daughter because she's very receptive and she like hears all of the conversations. Um, and so I do make a point to be very clear in our family values and what we believe in decisions that we've made while also explaining to her that other families have made different decisions and we still respect those decisions and it's their right to make different decisions, but that's not how we do things. Um, and so that is the, that is the message and the lesson that I'm trying to teach my children. Mm. That's beautiful. Thank you so much for joining me for this conversation. It was so nice to talk to you. And I feel like you just always bring a lot of wisdom and clarity um, in everything that we talk about. But yeah, thank you for this. putting this out there, Taylor, and all that you share and talk about. And while you're in the process of sorting it out and asking questions, and that's a skill and takes a lot of courage. So thank you. Thank you so much, Katie. Thank you for listening. I hope you enjoyed this episode. If you did, please subscribe and leave a review if you feel called to. It really helps our message reach more parents. You can also follow me on Instagram at Taylor Kulik for similar content or visit my website at www.taylorkulik.com. I offer online courses where we really dive into infant and toddler sleep holistically. And we also offer one-to-one holistic sleep support services if you're looking to improve your child's sleep or shift patterns without sleep training. If you know a parent who would benefit from this podcast, please share. And if you'd like to financially support this podcast to allow me to create more episodes more often, you can visit anchor.fm slash Taylor I hope you'll join me next time.